Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my girlfriend, Carol. How are you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It is November 4th. 1994. You always sound like you have no idea what day it is. Well, I don't always remember the date. Don't you write it all day at school? Yeah, I guess that's true. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it is November 4th, 1994. Uh, this is Massive Late Fee, and we've got some news. Really, not much news, actually. There was an interesting story in the Detroit Free Press that I, I would bring up. I figured I'd bring up, it's just after Halloween, and this story is talking all about monsters and where they come from culturally in society. Oh, that sounds cool. So, they talk about the Godzilla in the the 50s, and some of the, the giant bug movies like Them and things like that, uh-huh. and it talks about how... You know, it's no mistake that Japan lived through the horrors of Hiroshima and Nagasaki and, you know, the nuclear bombs, and that they came up with creatures that were blown up to giant size by nuclear weapons. Right. And then in the 60s and the 70s, they talk about how there was so much, uh, like environmental stuff going on. People wanted to save the environment. There was a lot of activism with that going on. And so there were movies like Jaws. And I think they mentioned Piranha and maybe something grisly or something like that. But anyway, it was like nature fighting back. Yeah, I never heard of any of those movies except Jaws. But I've heard of Piranha. I believe Piranha was James Cameron's first movie, I think. Huh. Or Piranha 3D or something like that. I don't remember. But anyway, so, and then they talk about the slasher films of the 80s and how in the 80s crime was on the rise. People were, I I would also point out serial killers. There were a lot of serial killers in the late 70s, early 80s, and the slasher movies kind of came out of that. That makes sense. And then now they're wondering what's going to be the new new thing. That's kind of what they're speculating on. Now that we're in the, you know, basically the mid-90s now, what is going to be the the new kind of scary thing? They, they mentioned the hand that rocks the cradle and some of the, like, family wrecker type movies as a possibility. There's not, there are not a lot of good horror movies right now. It's sort of a, it's a doldrums time for horror films. Yeah, I mean, Flatliners was good, but that was was, older. Yeah, and I wouldn't necessarily consider that a straight-up horror film. Right. But, yeah. The New Nightmare. Yeah, we just watched that. Would you consider that a good horror movie? Eh, Yeah, it was all right. I mean, not really, I guess. I mean, I guess I will say, though, that that is sort of the thing I liked about it is it's sort of a new direction. It's kind of almost like a not necessarily... How do I put it? So it's very like self-referential where they they were they obviously referenced the the previous movie, the first movie. 
they referenced that, you know, that was... They almost referenced that it was a movie, even though it wasn't a movie. But it was, you know, so I could see it going in a direction like that. Part of the problem, and not that it's necessarily a problem, but we're at a time of, you know, after the Gulf War and everything, we're at a time of relative peace. And there's the the economy is beginning to, to get better. There's not a lot of, you know... Horror movies come out of fear. <laughs> they come out of of real life things or events that make people afraid, and it's like a catharsis. That's why during times like World War One, World War Two, those were big times for for well, not necessarily World War One, although a little bit after that, into the twenties, that was like a golden age of horror movies. Just like the fifties after World War Two was a golden age of horror movies, and to su- and to some degree in the seventies as well after the Vietnam War. What kind of horror movies were in the 20s? Uh, so like Metropolis, Nosferatu. Uh, I'm trying to think of, uh, there's another one that's a big one. I think Freaks might have come out around that time. Hmm, okay. There, there were a lot of kind of classic horror movies from, from that era. Fr- Fr- Fritz Lang, he was a big director in the, in the 20s of those, those kind of movies. Nice. So anyway, that's uh, that's all I really have for news. It's slow, slow news time. Well, I have some news. Oh, do you? So we had an amazing party for uh, Mark's birthday this weekend. We did. We're feeling the effects of it today. Yeah, still. <laughs> but it was super fun. And, and did you have a good birthday? It was great. It was a great birthday. Good. Yeah, I want to thank everyone for, for coming out. Thank you to... To Carol for for planning everything. You deserve this. <laughs> That's our. Aw, you're making me blush. That's our studio audience. Ah, <laughs> uh, but so now we will talk about my so-called life. So this episode was pretty intense this week. Oh, it was a doozy. But, you know, that's what I like about the show, though, is it really it really goes places. It grabs you. Um, that's so. short hairs. Ooh. <laughs> I think those are the ones on your neck, though. I believe that's what it refers to. Maybe? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> so um, in, in this episode, there are two parties going on. Yeah. Angela's mother is basically forced by her mother, Angela's grandmother, into throwing a 40th anniversary party for her parents. Lots of fun. Her her dad is in the hospital after just having a heart attack? Uh, I don't remember exactly or, if they said he had a heart attack or if he was having a blockage or or something. He was recovering because and they were they were checking him out. Well, I mean, I know they said he had to do like the heart healthy diet and stuff, so I mean, I'm assuming it was something cardiac for sure. Yeah. So he had been in the hospital, and that's why I guess the mom wanted her to plan the party and make it healthy and everything. Um, he just got discharged from, from the hospital, mm-hmm. be, like the day of the party or the day before, but she still wanted to have it, which seemed kind of weird. Yeah, so they were going to have the party at a restaurant, and she said, oh, you know, he'll never like that. He doesn't, you know, how he doesn't like to go out, he doesn't like to be in... Weird, I don't know, uh, uncomfortable places, all that noise, blah, 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 blah. 
So she says, oh, if only we could have it someplace that felt more homey, someplace that right. we'd be comfortable <laughs> at. And then she kind of looks around when her daughter doesn't take the bait, and she's like, like here. She's like, oh, but no, I couldn't ask you to do that. That's very, it's very manipulative. But I, I see, so it's interesting. This episode is interesting because I see now the similarities between Angela and her mom and her grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting to see it. This this show is definitely about mothers and daughters, I would say. Oh, yeah. Family in general, too. Um, well, the episode's called Other People's Mothers. Because <laughs> Angela meets uh, Rayanne's mother for the first time in this episode. Yes. Because when we first start out in the episode, Rayanne and Ricky are at Angela's. And Rayanne decides to take a beer. Like she got that brew. What an idiot. She drinks way too much. Well, she loves the taste of those golden oats. <laughs> so she has Ricky carrying it for her because they're like taking snacks up to Angela's room. And Angela's mom walks in and catches them. So, of course, she thinks it's Ricky's beer. Ricky looks more like a cosmopolitan type guy. Not, not a beer. Right. <laughs> so... Um, then they decide they're going to hang out at Rand's the next day because Angela's mom is still, you know, mad. Mm. And, you know, we have seen, uh, Rand's mom before, but never in her own environment. (laughs) It's definitely an experience. I I wish that I could go to her house and hang out too. It looks fun. Um, (laughs) she looks like, so she's got those beads that hang from the wall, Mm -hmm. like, Something that would divide the front of a van from the back of a van in 1971. Right. That's what it looks like. And so no doors, just beads. I always thought that, why do people do that? That's so weird. That is very weird. I don't like it. There's no privacy in that. No, I mean, you can hear everything like you're in the same room. Yep. So, yeah, it's just like all kinds of uh, new agey decorations everywhere. Yeah. And um, she's into tarot cards. So she wants to uh, do a reading for Angela. Angela gets totally obsessed with tarot cards. And um, what did she say? Like, she she's decided that the only things worth eating are desserts and appetizers. So that's all she ever makes. Yeah, I think that's something like that. You know, isn't that like the movie Mermaids? A like, little bit. I, I kind of remember the mom in that movie, like, only made finger foods. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Share. Yeah. She like cut the crust off sandwiches and shit, like use cookie cutters and <laughs> she was weird. So yeah, I mean, and they were both very free spirits. So, you know, I guess free spirits don't have time to cook healthy meals. Um, So Angela just loves this woman and her mom has to come there to get her and, you know, sees what it's like there. And, and the, oh, the woman's walking around with a drink in her hand the whole time. You know, you know, a lot of ways... Rayanne's mom is the exact opposite of Angela's mom. Yeah. Where Angela's mom is very responsible and in some ways stuck up, uptight, got a stick in her ass. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rayanne's mom is very laissez-faire, do-what-you-want kind of thing. And I, I think the the perfect area is in the middle of the two of right, them. Right, for sure. I mean, more towards Angela's mom than Rayanne's mom. But still, you know, in the middle. In the middle, yeah. So, and um, is it Ray Ann's birthday that she's throwing the party for? Uh, 
Yeah, I think so. I think it's her birthday. And so her mom gives her permission to throw a party, even though she's going to be gone. At work, I think. No, on a date. Oh, I thought... Okay. No, remember she came home and changed to go meet some guy? Yeah, but she was at work before then. Yeah. But anyways, she says... She says that, um, you know, she she can have, you know, she's like, I know there will be some drinking and, you know, just don't get out of hand. Like, I'd rather have it under my own roof. Right. So, yeah, she she's just like, yeah, sure. Invite people and have underage drinking. It'll be fine. (laughs) Like that's ever, you know, I mean, rarely, rarely does that work out. Well, not in the movies and TV. (laughs) Right. Well, I mean, honestly, not not in real life either. We had a pretty successful party this weekend, though. We did. <laughs> um. So okay, so Angela's mom comes to get her. Angela is just absolutely in love with this lady. Like, um, she gives her a hug mm-hmm. when she's leaving, and like you can see how jealous her mom is. Let me ask you a question. Hmm. You ever mess around with tarot cards? Yeah. Yeah, I've, I I used to have a deck. I I did. I had a deck and a book, so I, the deck came with a book. Yeah, me too. And I, you know, kind of read through it, and I, I never really, I never really got into it though. Oh, I did. I really enjoyed doing them. The artwork was what I was more interested in, to be honest. Oh yeah, yeah. I thought the art was interesting. I thought like the I like mythology. I like the mythology behind things, the stories behind things, and that that was the most interesting to me. That makes sense. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I liked doing it, but then I had kind of a scary thing happen, so... Oh, what happened? Um, well, I, I was using the cards for, like, a few days, and then one night when I went to bed, mm. I heard somebody, like, come in the house and, like, come start coming down the stairs. And, like, I, like, freaked out. I'm thinking, like, is my friend, like, breaking in? What's going on? Right. But um, then my door opened. I heard them, you know, come the rest of the way down the stairs and my door opened and nobody was there. Holy. And then I heard in my ear, Carol, wake up, wake up. Whoa. Yeah. So your door actually opened? Yeah. But no one was there? No one was there. Were you, were you awake? Did, like, did you yeah, no, I was up? totally awake. I was not asleep yet. I was just laying down. But, like, so you looked up and looked at the door and it opened yeah. on its own? Well, I yeah, I looked up, Well, I looked over when the door opened. But the door was opening? Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah, it was really scary. And so I stopped playing with the tarot cards because I feel like maybe they, like, you know, ch- channeled something. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, nothing like that ever happened to me. So why did you stop doing? It? You said you just didn't get into it. Yeah, I was just never. I was never super into it anyway. Hmm. And I never, I never got good at it. Well, I know you've never been into like reading your horoscope or anything either. So no, I'm not big into that kind of stuff. Stuff that's would be considered supernatural, I guess. Right, and that's like some of my favorite stuff. I like I like made up stories about it. Like I like. Uh, Stephen King books, mm-hmm. and I like horror movies, so I like the supernatural as far as a as an entertainment vehicle. But as re- a reality thing, I'm not as into it. 
Like, I don't know that I would ever go ghost hunting. Oh, I think that would be so fun. Although I did one time go to that mental hospital that's closed on. Northville? It might have been, yeah, around here. Yeah. Yeah. I, my sisters and I went to the that mental hospital that was closed down at night. You have to break in because you're not supposed to be there. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, not necessarily break in because er, the, the, the doors aren't locked, but you you have to like, you have to climb a fence because okay. you, you're not, it's trespassing. You're not supposed to be there. It's like crime, but it was like a mental hospital that shut down and it's supposed to be super haunted. Wow. Yeah. I want to, I want to do that. We should do that. I will do it. That's fun. Yay. Okay. So back to um, the show. Mm-hmm. So Angela gets a deck of tarot. Does, does Rand's mom give her the card she had? I think so, yeah. I think she just gives... I. It seems like she has more than one deck. Hmm. So I think she just gives her a book and the, a deck of cards. Yeah, that's I mean, that's nice, but odd. So then Angela's like, you know, just into the cards all the time at home mm-hmm. after that. Um, then it turns out that the party that Rayanne is having is the same day as this 40th anniversary party. Yeah, and Angela's mom wants her to be there. Of course. Like, I think that's only, you know, I mean, that... It's important, right? I guess it's kind of a buzzkill, but but I so here's the thing: if if my 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 grandparents aren't alive, but if my grandparents were having like a 40th anniversary party, I mean, I I guess I would be expected to attend, but like my presence there is not going to make or break it. Yeah, I guess, but I mean, it's to me, family events are important. Well, yeah, I agree. I mean, I I like to spend time with my family, so it's fine. <laughs> Angela Our doesn't my family. I like a lot, right? Angela doesn't seem to really like spending time with her family either, which I think is a big difference there. Well, and that's the thing is that I have uh, a couple cousins and other you know extended family members that I like hanging out with a lot, right? And there are others that I could take or leave <laughs> but she seems to not like to be around her parents or her sister right that's you know like another level yeah for sure so her mom says she absolutely has to be at, at their family party and she really wants to go to Rayanne's party of course and her mom is freaking out and wants help to plan a party and set up for it and everything and Angela is just like to Rayanne, just like, oh well, you know, I can't be there, so at least let me help, and goes and helps her instead of helping her mom. Yeah, just really crappy. Yeah, she's kind of shitty to her mom this episode. Yeah. So the day of the party comes, and Angela decides that she is just going to go. Yeah, she she uh, her mom comes up to her room, and. She's dressed in like a band t-shirt and a flannel, you know, over it and everything. And she's like, oh, you look nice, like sarcastically. And she says, I, yeah, I think I'm going to go to Rayanne's. Yeah. Just like, she's just basically like openly defying. Like, I, that's, I don't understand what she's thinking. Right. How she thinks that she can just say, oh, I'm just doing it. But I mean, she does. Yeah, she does. She gets away with it. Well, yeah, she does end up getting away. Well, the thing is, is so we find out when uh, the grandmother gets there 
that grandpa's not coming. Yeah, that is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. How are all those people at this party acting like everything's normal and fine? I don't know. But yeah, the grandmother's like, oh, he's not going to be here. You, you know how he is. He doesn't like to leave the house <laughs> or whatever. And she says, but that's fine because I wouldn't be able to have any fun with him here anyway. <laughs> that's healthy after 40 years of marriage. Right, no kidding. Man, so messed up. But so Angela comes down and says, you know, she's like trying to mingle a little bit. And then she says something to her mom in front of the grandmother that she wants to go to the party. And she's like, or no, she says, so the finds out the grandpa's not here. And yeah. She's like, are you kidding me? Like, I, he doesn't have to come to his own 40th anniversary party, but I have to be here. Right. He is also an adult, though. I mean, it's crazy to have an anniversary party without one of the members of the marriage there. For sure. But he also can make up his own mind because he's an adult. So, but so, yeah, she, she kind of freaks out. And the grandmother's like, well, 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 what were you going to do? And she's like, oh, I was going to go to a party at my friend's house. She's like, oh, go to your friend's. You didn't need to be here. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the grandma kind of gives her permission, I guess. Yeah. Even though it's not her place at all. No. So, Angela goes to Rayanne's party. She does. She goes there. Shut up. And um, it's insane. There, there. It's like a little apartment, but it is full of people. Like she, she lives in you can barely move. She? No, I thought she lived in a house. I'm pretty sure it's an apartment, honey. Mm-hmm. But it is. It's it's crazy. Yeah, there are just it so many people. people. People that like Rand doesn't even know. Like she, she was just like handing out flyers and stuff. Like at school before the party, she said some someone invited her to her own party. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> the girls like. I, I don't know if I can get you in. I'll see if I can pull some strings or whatever. <laughs> so funny. So, and apparently she has a, a tattoo artist at this party. Krakow's not there. Krakow is not there, no. Crackhead <laughs> wasn't in the entire episode, I don't think. Yeah, I think you're right. Huh. Neither was Jordan Catalano. Wow. Well, wasn't he at least at school? I think they had to have at least been in school at some point. I, maybe. I don't remember seeing him, though. Yeah. So... There's tons of, you know, drinking oh, and yeah. drugs and, like, Rayanne just takes, like, a freaking handful of pills. Yeah, so I, I think it's ecstasy. Yeah, it's ecstasy. They say ecstasy later, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And um, by the time Angela gets there, she's already, like, way gone. Mm-hmm. And um, her mom comes home and is pissed because there's, you know, too many people because... Yeah. And then she's pissed because Rayanne's too drunk. You're too drunk, young lady. That's what she says. Yeah. Like, she's, what, 16? She shouldn't be drunk at all. She's like, what have I told you about moderation? Right. That's, she's yeah. She's like, you can't hold your booze. <laughs> you can't maintain. <laughs> and then she just, you know, changes her clothes and goes out. Yep. And leaves her, even yep. though she's, like, so fucked up. Oh, yeah. She's, she is. She's just laying on the bed. When she came in there, there was a guy on top of her. Yep. Like, basically, her mom just saved her from getting raped, I think. Well, that was the tattoo artist. I think he was doing a tattoo on her. I thought he was, like, making out with her. No. No, he said, like, he, he's an artist and he was just trying to make a living or something like that. Like, oh, I misinterpreted everything. Yeah. When he said that he was an artist or whatever, I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, no, he was a tattoo artist. My penis is my, <laughs> my paintbrush. You are my canvas. 
I mean, granted, Rayanne gets around, but... It's a very Jackson Pollock uh, type, <laughs> Ew. type painter. Gross. <laughs> so she is, um, like, not responding to them. She's passed out, and so she, they get scared. And uh, what? I said she ain't in a good way. Right. And Angela calls her mom. Yep. And only person that she knows that could figure this out. <laughs> now, I would have called 911 personally. Mm, yeah, I mean, I guess. Who knows? You wouldn't? I don't know what I would do. I guess I would probably call 911, yes. I mean, that's what the mom ends up doing. Yeah. So, but her mom, like, kind of knows what to do. Like, she gets there and she's helping and. Keeping her awake and walking and shit. Right. So, you know, that she gets her stomach pumped at the hospital and everything. And I, I remember, like, too, the the police are there and they want to talk to her mom and stuff. And it's like, is she, I don't know, it, it seems like that she should be mom. in trouble. Yeah. Don't well, you think? I don't know. What are they going to do to the mom? Well, I mean, you're, she was letting them drink in her house. Yeah, but they don't, I, they, I don't know that they have that information. Yeah. They just know that she had uh, alcohol and ecstasy in her system. Right. So, ba- I mean, basically what, what Angela's mom says is they're just going to... She's like, don't worry. They're just going to get the information down. But no one's getting in trouble. No one's going to jail. Right. Kind of thing. And, I, I mean, I guess with if it's like her first offense or whatever, they probably they probably would just be like, like lecture the mom. Like, hey, yeah. you know... Get in charge of your, your fucking daughter. Right. Keep better keep better tabs on your kid. Yeah, something like that. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what the reality of that is. Some of us <laughs> don't get caught. So. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so, uh, yeah, I'm not sure what's what the reality of that is. But then Angela asks her mom, hey, how did you know what to do? Which is so weird because she just assumed her mom wouldn't know what to do. But then she was kind of amazed that she did. So right. She was like, how <laughs> did you know what to do? And her mom tells her that her college roommate also um, drank and did drugs and reminded her a lot of Rayanne. Yeah, because she said earlier that she did not like Rayanne. She didn't think she was the right friend for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said that her her friend had, you know, ended up being, you know, in that situation. But the difference was that she actually died. Yeah, she died. So that's kind of crazy. And so... We kind of get an idea of that, you know, Angela's mom was, was friends with her roommate. She really liked her and everything. But then, you know, she, she went out and partied. She died, like, it broke her heart or whatever. Mm. And she doesn't want Angela to go through that. Which makes sense. But, you know, it seemed like they kind of they bonded there. A little bit, yeah. And then Angela, oh, and, and she bonded with Ricky, too, at the hospital. She did, yeah. That, that was kind of cute. Yeah. Like, uh... I don't remember exactly how it happened, but, like, she figured out that the beer wasn't his. Yeah, well, she he, he said to her, basically, he says, you know, what do you do when there's someone that you care about so much, but they're they're doing bad things to themselves or, you know, whatever. Basically, he's describing his relationship with Ray. Yeah. Where he's like, you know, he, he's trying, he wants to help her, he wants to be there for her, but he doesn't know what to do and everything. And, and she kind of looks at him and she was like, you know, that wasn't your beer, was it? You know, and she, like, smiles at him and everything. It's, yeah. It's nice when she actually softens a little. 
And then she ended up inviting Ricky to come to back to the house with them to come to the party. Yeah, which they do. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it ended was, like, you know, Angela and Ricky are at the party and, you know, ta- socializing with the old folks. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was. I, I liked the way the episode ended. Yeah, it was a nice ending. But I'm very concerned about Rayanne. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, obviously she's got a problem that she needs to deal with. And I, I, I really don't think that her mom is going to help her. I don't think her mom is capable of helping her. Right, because her mom's kind of the same as her. Well, yeah, I think they both have problems. Right. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. But speaking of problems. <laughs> hmm. No, I, no this, I, I like this movie. So we went out and decided to, to treat Carol's a little, uh, little uh, nieces and nephews or whatever. Uh, or whatever. Yeah. How are they related to you? Yeah, they're my nieces and nephew. Okay. So we we decided to treat them to a movie, and we went to see Little Giants. It was cute. It was a cute movie. It was not bad. There were, you know, it was, it's, it's definitely for kids. Yeah. But, but grown-ups, I think, can enjoy it. It's not, it's a well-made film. Like, it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for kids and it's about sports, so but it's, not my favorite. But right. but it stars uh, Edward O'Neill, who you may know from Married with Children, and Al Bundy. Rick Moranis uh, of Ghostbusters fame, yep. who I love. Rick Moranis is one of my favorites. But He's anyway, pretty cool. Yeah, so they play Brothers. And the movie kind of begins with them as, as little kids. And it we get their relationship real quickly. The The older brother, Ed O'Neill, is a very good athlete, and Rick Moranis is not. And he gets left out all the time of you know the sports stuff, even though he wants to compete with his brother and everything. So his brother goes on to win a Heisman Trophy and a national championship and all this stuff. And he comes back and has a successful car dealership in their their old hometown, which makes sense. And they're because a lot of former athletes, you know, open car dealerships like Melfar, Melfar Superstar. That's so weird. Like, what what is the relationship between being an athlete and owning a car lot? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it's just an easy business to get into, and having name recognition uh, helps a lot. I'm Maybe. not sure exactly why they do it but you know it's it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty common thing but so he he's got this dealership his brother runs an old gas station and and it's funny because they they, again they're working in the same type of industry right around automobiles but he's obviously much more successful than he is so it's a good juxtaposition and he has a daughter named what's her name becky yeah uh, they call her Icebox because she is tough. She's a she got the the great athletic genes right. from her uncle, and but so at the beginning he he has decided to the the town's kind of convinced that O'Neill to start a pee wee football league team that he can coach uh, because they think that he can bring a championship to this town. It's a big thing for them. Whatever. So he's like, all right, you know, I'll do it. Uh, I'll coach. And he's holding tryouts, and he picks the best players, but he leaves out his niece. Yeah, because, because he's a chauvinistic pig. Because she's a girl. 
Ugh. Even though she's like the best player out there. But, Such a jerk. But he doesn't want her because she's a girl and he thinks that she should be into more feminine things. Rick Moranis' wife left them, which she, you know he talks about when they were very little, when she was very little. So he's, you know, he hasn't been able to school her in the feminine ways. So she wants to, to basically, she wants to play. And she's friends with a lot of these other losers that didn't get picked. They have like a, almost like a little rascal style uh, clubhouse. Right. And so it's a very simple premise. She's like, I want, you know, let's start our own team. And she kind of convinces uh, her dad to do it. So he does it. And the town rules. For So this is, this is the weirdest part about the whole thing. But it's like suspension of disbelief. The town rules say there can only be one team. Now, I don't understand why the Cowboys, which is Ed O'Neill's team, why they can't just be the official peewee team and then the other team just be like a fun rec team. Right. Not in this league or maybe even in a completely different league. You know, whatever. Makes sense. But uh, someone suggests that they, they play each other for the right to see who gets to be in the Pee Wee League. And they call, Rick Moranis' team is called the Little Giants, which is a nice play on words. So the most of the movie is them kind of, uh, kind of training and everything. Um, and then they play the game at the end of the movie. And I mean, I, do, should, should I completely spoil what happens in the movie? I mean, as much as you want to. Okay, so I just so I should. <laughs> yeah. So the you know the little giants end up winning uh, eventually, and they uh, you know they become victorious and they, but, you know they win the game and then Ed O'Neill and and uh, Rick Moranis uh, they they mend their their relationship uh, and yeah like there's a bunch of stuff that happens so I, I figured maybe we'd go about this a little bit differently. Tell me, like, give me, like, your top three or four, like, moments, scenes, or, like, themes, things you liked about the movie. Okay, well, the most interesting thing in the movie to me was, you know, what Becky's character was going through. Okay, so Becky's arc. And, um, you know, she, because you kind of skipped over this, she actually last minute drops out and decides to be a cheerleader. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she has a crush on one of the players mm-hmm. who they somehow they were talking about kissing and basically he said he'd rather kiss a cheerleader. So yeah, in the in the supermarket they see this dude throwing toilet paper into a, a cart and I can't I can't remember what his name is, Junior or something like that, maybe? Sure, I don't know. But anyway, so he's He's going to become their quarterback. And, you know, they get close and everything. She's clearly got a crush on him from when she first sees him. The young actor is named, he's got a really weird name, Devin Sawa. That, that's a mouthful. Yeah. So, he, uh, so, like, she's got, a, like, a real big crush on him and everything. And... They're kind of hanging out by the swimming hole or whatever. Right. And she says, she's talking about kissing. You're right. And she was like, oh, you know, the, the bad part about kissing your hand is it doesn't kiss back. 
you know, if you were going to, if you had to, he's like, oh, I don't want to kiss anybody. And she was like, well, if you had to, you, well, she, she leads him. She leads him on because she, yeah. she's basically like, but if you had to, you'd want to kiss like a cheerleader more like my, my cousin. Right. Cause, cause he was like kind of flirting with her cousin a little bit and she was getting jealous cause her cousin is one of the cheerleaders at O'Neill's daughter. And she's like, you'd want to kiss somebody like that, wouldn't you? And he was like, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> so that's she, true. <laughs> so she got all pissed off about that and decided, yeah, she's going to quit and become a cheerleader and wear makeup. Yeah, which, you know, I mean, how old are these kids supposed to be? 10, 11, 12? I would say probably 11. So, I don't know. I mean, it's like she acts like she needs to hide the makeup and stuff. I don't know um, what the rules are in her house, but... She, uh, you know, I don't know why she can't just do both. Why can't she be feminine and wear makeup and play, you know, baseball? What well, football? Football. Well, I think that's what. <laughs> I think that you really paid attention to the movie. I think that's what her arc is, though. Her arc is learning that she can be both. Right. So I mean, they actually start the game, and she is a cheerleader and not playing with them, and they're losing. Oh yeah. And she finally, you know decides to get in the game and so she's wearing her freaking cheerleading outfit and just puts on her jersey over it so she's in a skirt out on the field it's so crazy um but yeah so they they do they do they win because they hurt junior yeah that's why right yeah the so there's this this freak of nature kid yeah he was a little creepy yeah and he spike i think his name was yeah and he, like, his dad's got him lifting weights and drinking two gallons of milk a day or whatever and all this stuff. And he, I think he says at one point that he massages his calves with <laughs> warm milk or something like that. Every yeah. Day. It's so weird. He's giant, too. I'm just giant. But anyway, so the dad says to him, he's like, hey, knock him out of the game. So he, like, well after a play, tackles him, you know, from behind and hurts his back. And that's when Becky decides, you know, I'm coming back in. And and Ed O'Neill, like, he has sort of a change of a heart because, uh, well, not a change of heart necessarily, because we, we get an idea that, yeah, he's a very flawed character, but he's also got good intentions. Yeah. Like, he goes over to the guy and he's like, hey, you know, if I see anything like that again... He's sitting on the bench. He's like, I thought you wanted to win the game. He's like, not like that. And then that makes sense from an ath- from an athlete's perspective. A former athlete never wants to see. I mean, they're the most sensitive about seeing any athlete get injured mm-hmm. because that's you know you, you could die on the field. That's it's very serious. Yeah. And athletes know that they know the risks and they don't want to see anyone get injured. For sure. So he says, you know, the, she comes out of the field and he's like, hey, who's that? And he goes. That's my uh, that's my daughter, and she's pissed. <laughs> but so yeah, she comes in, and you know, the, so that's her arc. What what other like kind of aspects of the movie did you like? Hmm. I mean, I thought that bringing in Spike's character added you know humor to it. Um, when you know they they actually had him on the team at first mm-hmm. on the the losing team on the um, I don't remember the little giants You're right because. Uh, Rick Moranis fools the dad into yes. <laughs> into thinking that he is the ex football player and that it's that he's on the other team. Right. 
And um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of funny. The So one of the things that I liked is John Madden and, and some of the former NFL players, they make an appearance because their, their bus comes up to, uh, to the little Giants. Oh, yeah. And they talk about some things about how, like, Bruce Smith tells them that, you know, football is is 80% mental and 40% physical mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, like he added a bunch of percentages that were way more than 100. But anyway, so he, you know, he talks about that. But I think that John Madden, John Madden's been in a few different movies, like sports movies and, and Paul Simon videos. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't think he's ever necessarily, no offense to John Madden, who was a great coach. But I don't think he's necessarily added anything to move, to a movie. But he gets a good and you know through no fault of his own. But they they write him a really good scene and an impactful scene here because you know Rick Moranis basically asks him you know any advice, all this stuff and everything, and John Madden says, "Have fun." <laughs> you know, he says, <laughs> "Yeah." He's like, "Look, you know, we uh, I, I took a team to a Super Bowl and we won, and a lot of people, a lot of those guys." you know, wouldn't have made it on other teams, which is absolutely true of the, the Raiders, by the way. He's like, a lot of those guys wouldn't have, wouldn't have made it on other teams. They were people they didn't want and everything. But we just, you know, we we said, hey, you know, we're, this is what we want to do. We're going to go out. We're going to have fun. You know, we're going to try hard. And, and he's basically, you know, he's basically like, hey, at your guys' age, you know, just go out and have fun. Right. And it doesn't matter. If, you, if you're having fun, then, then, you know, you'll be a winner. And that's kind of the... The attitude. That's uh, my attitude about all games. Yeah. You know, I, I'm just not competitive. Like, there are people who care so much about winning. Like, I don't give a shit. Well, I'm, I'm super competitive. But yeah. I, but I also think that it's most important to have fun. If you're not going to have fun doing something, then there's no point in it even trying to win. Right. There's no point in doing it at all. But so that was one of my favorite scenes. There's a lot of... It, the, the reason I didn't really go through it the, the way I, I usually go through things is because it's it's a real simple movie. Yeah. It's a very point A, point B thing. Because there, there's not much I can say about the, then they train. You know, <laughs> right. Then they, then they all discover a little idiot. I mean, they all have little idiosyncrasies. They all have things that they can use to their advantage and, and everything. The one kid's got a dad that's never there. And then his dad shows up uh, when he's playing the game. And he, you know, he makes a touchdown. He, he runs to him. You know, he's basically just keeps his eye on, on his dad the whole time, which is sweet. But it's also like you didn't fix anything about that relationship. Yeah. That dad is still always going to be gone. You know, it's like just because he showed up in the middle of this game that he was playing doesn't mean that he's suddenly going to be there all the time. But there's not enough time to focus on that relationship because that's he's not what the movie's about. Right. There's a lot of little subplots like that that don't necessarily go anywhere but it's almost like going through the motions we got to have this element in here we got to have this element in here because it's it's so it's the it's the bad news bears is what it is it's the walter Matthau bad news bears but it's kind of like updated for modern times and, and instead of baseball it's it's football and there's there's more of a family element in to it but i would say the lesson is because at the beginning of the movie rick moranis when he's a kid, he says, oh, I'm on the injured reserve or whatever. And that comes up again where they're like, we, we want to go on injured reserve. He's like, hey, you know, when I was a kid, 
I put myself on injured reserve and I never got off, you know, mm-hmm. everything. Um, and I think the, the, the message of the movie is basically, it doesn't matter how good you are, go out and have fun. Right. Go out and have fun and compete. That's the, the appeal and that's the good thing about youth sports is being part of a team and just, you know, like counting on each other and going out and having fun. And, and that's, I think that should be, now once you get to college and the professionals and maybe even uh, like high school, like upperclassmen high school where you're playing with the varsity and everything, once you get to those levels, you know, I, I, I understand the importance of winning and, and being competitive and, and things like that. But before then, like high like middle school down, I think it should be about learning the fundamentals of the sport you're playing. Right. And having fun. And that's it. That's all. Like, I don't think anyone should be super uh, concerned about how many team or how many wins their peewee football league is getting. <laughs> For that sure. shouldn't be the goal. The goal shouldn't be. And that all comes from the parents and the coaches and the adults. That's, yeah. That's the unfortunate thing is that's where all that comes from. The goal should be teach all these kids how to properly play. Whatever position, whatever position they're playing, whatever sport they're playing, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, whatever, teach them how to properly play. The fundamentals of playing should be about teaching, so everyone gets to play, everyone gets an opportunity, everyone you know gets taught how to do this, and you know let them have fun. And that should be that should be all that matters at, at those levels. Then once you have the fundamentals down and all that stuff, then you can you know start getting more competitive mm-hmm. as as you get older and. And the stakes get higher because, you know, once you're in college and the professionals, you're talking about a lot of money and stuff like that. That's where the that's where the stakes come from. But, yeah. So, I mean, other than that, I think that, you know, people should. Uh, but I like that. So I like the message of the movie. That's another theme about the movie that I, that I really like. Yeah. Anything that you really hated about the movie or didn't like? Hmm. Um. I mean, I don't know. I guess, like. The training was a little boring to me. Yeah, it, it it it's not the best paced movie in the world because it's kind of you know all the there's a lot of exciting stuff that happens at the beginning with the formation of this plan and everything, and then there's a lot of exciting stuff that happens towards the end with the game and all that stuff. But yeah, the middle drags. Yeah, I would agree with that. How about you? I mean, I would say that the pacing is probably I think is the biggest issue. Okay. The biggest issue with the you know the acting is the acting especially the the children the kid actor, actors because I expect Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis to be good you know I expect most of the adults to be good right. kid actors are very good in this as well like they they do a good job it's not easy to to work with children I think a lot of times but they they do a really good job in this movie so the acting is really good I think the the overall screenplay is pretty good. The two, the two elements that I would say that, that kind of fall down a little bit are some of the, just the, the plot lines that don't go anywhere, like the, the kid and his dad, and um, the pacing of, of it. There's, it's very slow in the middle. Yeah. But, I mean, the kids seem to be entertained enough. They, oh, they, yeah. They seem to love it. That definitely seemed to hold their interest, and that was the most important part. Yeah. But uh, that is, I mean, that's all I've got. So that is our episode for the week. We will end this episode as we end every episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. Carol, what's, what are you picking this week? 
Well, this week, one of my favorite movies came out. Um, we've already discussed it on the show, but I do you know, want to tell you guys, you, now is the chance. If you missed it in the theater, go rent it with honors. Yeah, you're with, not a dog. Uh, what? You're not a dog. Oh, yeah. With uh, Moira Kelly, right? Uh, Moira Tierney? Oh, I don't know. I don't but, know her name is. And Brandon Fraser. So, um, and Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci is yeah. probably the more important one. Um, very, very, very good, great, um, heart, heart wrenching movie. Yeah. Very good movie. I will go with another sports movie, Little, not Little Giants. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> little Big League. Okay. Another Little movie. This, this is coming out in a few days. It's, uh, I can't remember the name of the dude that's in it, but the, the little kid that's in it, but the Gary, Gary, uh, what's his name? Timothy Busfield, that's his name, is uh, one of the adults in it. But anyway, so the basic plot of the movie is that this dude's grandpa owns the Minnesota Twins, and then he dies, and he leaves the Twins to his grandson, who loves the Twins, and is apparently some sort of baseball genius. So he uh, he decides to install himself as the manager of the Twins, and tries to manage the team to uh, a successful season. Uh, he loves the hit and run for some reason. I, I think it's maybe the only baseball play that they kind of know. Okay. He, he mentions it several times. And they'll, they'll be like, oh, you know, no, don't do this. No. But then he'll have, he'll have justifications for it. Hey, if you do this, then, you know, they'll do that. Like, he shows his, his knowledge of baseball strategy. But... Yeah, so uh, it's it's a cute it's another cute movie if you want to watch it with the kids. It's another uh it's another decent one. But that's that'll be my pick for for this week. All right. But that is our episode Carol take us home. <laughs> You're so weird. Um okay, so you know, stop by our lockers, give us money, give us stars, tell people about the show, keep listening and uh have a good week. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye.